This episode is sponsored by Paleo Valley. Paleo Valley's meat sticks have been a lifesaver during this hot summer. Since they're shelf stable, I always have three Paleo Valley meat sticks in my bag at all times. It's also been perfect for my boys' lunch boxes. I love Paleo Valley's grass finished beef sticks and pasture raised turkey sticks because they support US family farmers that focus on regenerative agriculture. These meat sticks are from animals that have never been fed grains, soy, corn, or GMOs and have never been given antibiotics. The spices in these meat sticks are also 100% organic. The sticks come in five different flavors, and my favorite is the original beef stick, and my boys love the teriyaki beef sticks and the original pasture raised turkey stick. Paleo Valley's meat sticks are a perfect snack and, frankly, a great value without skimping on quality. Each stick is about $2 with our discount code, and it comes in a 10 pack bag. Make sure to support this podcast and head over to paleovalley.comslash CATG and use code CATG to get 15% off your first order. Thanks for listening and supporting the Cutting Against the Grain podcast. Laura and I are just going to be talking really candid. This is what this podcast is all about. It's one thing to say, I want to eat something else that's not meat. It's a whole other thing to say, you need to eat something else that's not meat. If you notice that you're jumping from diet to diet, at a certain point, you have to wonder the only common denominator is me. Get outside, go for a walk, yeah. get some vitamin D, breathe yeah. some fresh air, and stay happy and healthy and, and take care of yourselves. Let's just have some real talk. <laughs> Welcome to the Cutting Against the Grain podcast. Hey guys, welcome back to the Cutting Against the Grain podcast. My name is Judy Cho, and I am super excited. Not only do I have the co host of Laura Spath, I also have her husband here, Chris Spath. So, hello, guys. Hi. Hey, Judy. We got, we're excited that Chris could join us today. Uh, we needed some expert opinion from the, the male voice in the space, and we want to talk about comparisons today um, of men and women and how we approach carnivore differently. Obviously, carnivore. Chris and I have been doing carnivore for pretty much the same amount of time and also for similar reasons as far as weight loss um, and reversing high blood sugar and kind of all those things. But he and I still approach things pretty differently. So uh, we wanted to talk a lot today about the differences of like men and women and our approach to carnivore for a long term. Yes. And I also notice differences with my male clients versus women as well. So why don't we, you know, like the first thing, let's talk about macros. So I've noticed with my clients that the males, they can tend to get away with leaner meats. Um, so I think generally, if I get women to be 75%, 80% fat in terms of total calories in the beginning, men never need to hit 80. I don't think I've ever had a male that hit 80%. But generally, then they can hit about 70 at first, and then they can even go down to 65. What are your thoughts with that? Uh, I agree. I think my first thought on the difference between male and female is for a man is much more forgiving uh, as far as what the needs are. Like I can adapt well quickly, whereas uh, with Laura, it's a little more nuanced to that. Things might take longer to adapt to or be a little more challenging. So when it comes to macros, uh, definitely I can eat leaner. And so I'll I'll eat heavier fat on some days, probably in the 70% range. That's like a lot of fat for me, but uh, I do really well in the 60, 50 to 60 range, you know, so I can cycle in almost protein sparing modified fasts you know, short term for a week at a time. And it, I don't have any effect on my energy or, or any of that, as long as I don't go much longer than that. And I don't miss a beat. Um, I also can, and I don't know if this is one of the reasons why that isn't an issue is because I can eat more. So my appetite is more, I can sit down and eat two pounds of meat where Laura can't. So she's got to have more energy to protein ratio there. Also as a male, I have more muscle mass, so I need more protein to support that. So I think there's some different things going on there. Uh, I'm not sure on the science side, Judy, maybe you could talk a little bit about that, but uh, uh, those are some of the things with macros I notice. Do you feel satiated eating, let's say you ate 55, 60% fat. Is that 
I would say that's leaner than a New York strip, right? Uh, slightly, yes. So he would do like a if he's trying to cut weight or lean out, he would do a New York strip paired with a chicken breast, and oh, that okay. might be the way that he balances it. And that would be he that would, would eat, put me in the fifty to sixty range. Yeah, two pounds of meat, but it would be balanced with like chicken and and some uh, meat picanha or something with with a little fat on the beef, but then also balancing with some leaner chicken. And then when you eat that way, Chris, do you feel satiated? And the reason I'm asking that is for many of the women, including myself, if I eat lean and if it's even one meal afterward, I feel that I'm not as satiated. So I'm maybe digging in the pantry or I'm like going back and forth or I feel that I have to restrain myself from munching or going back into the kitchen um, and making sure that I have to, my brain has to tell my body that I'm done, that I've eaten enough. Whereas where I eat higher fat and you guys saw me in like most of my meals, I go after the fat but I feel satiated and I'm not really looking for stuff after. And that's my biggest gripe with a lot of that. Um, just in terms of satiety, do you ever, what do you feel with satiety? I think where I come from, I don't, for me, satiety comes from volume. Okay. So pre-carnivore all my life, it's stuff yourself until you're almost sick. So satiety kicks in for me when I feel a certain amount of volume in my stomach, if that makes sense. And I don't notice a difference later on, uh, whether it's a little leaner or a little more fatty Mm -hmm. as far as what my, my, my desire to eat is, you know, I may still have those desires to go snack or go rummage through the pantry later, but I don't know that that's a function of how much fat I did or didn't eat or just a function of I'm bored or I've just got that food issue that I've always had. And I do that regardless of the macros. And I, I'm the same way as you, Judy, where Chris can tell if I've been under eating, I'm like find myself going and grabbing cheese a couple of times. And he's like, you did not eat enough today. Cause you're, yeah. your body's craving that fat and craving that cheese randomly. So obviously sometimes I'll have the boredom or the stress eating desires, but there's like a physical need sometimes that I have to feel like I need to snack and it. It's because I've been under eating or I've been eating too lean. I'm the same way as you. The volume part I completely get because I was plant-based. And so the only way I know that I was full was if I felt my stomach protruding to the max it could be. And that's where this it's the satiety from the stomach stretch receptors. Whereas the, we have the other hormones for when you're actually full from maybe from nutrient density and stuff. So I mean, the that only, makes a lot of sense. Sorry, Judy. The only time I ever feel that is if I eat like super high fat, like brisket or something, like fatty brisket. Right. I can only eat like half a pound and then like I get nauseous and that, that signal to stop. But I rarely get that. And that's, you know, I don't know what percentage that is, 80, 90% or whatever it is. But uh, it's pretty rare that I get that. And then, so you can then do like the, the New York strip plus chicken breast. And you you said you could do that for about a week. So then what happens after that week? Then I just go back to two New York strips. Just but like, why would you feel the need to go back to two, yeah. New, York, two New York strips? Like you're, do you feel drained at the end of that week or you're just bored? I don't, I get bored with chicken breast and I'm, if I'm eating that, sometimes it's nice to have and I enjoy it, but, uh, it's not ideal. So uh, I'll vary things around. I like the variety and I, I prefer beef over chicken almost all the time. So I'll go back to that. But it's not because I feel drained or poorly in any way. But I've never really tried to push it beyond that. So I don't know if that would come at some point. And I think for him too, it's easier for him to tap into those fat reserves that he has on his body where, you know, his, if he's eating leaner like that, his body's going to utilize his stored fat a lot quicker than mine. Obviously there's, it's not a, it's a joke that men can just literally change one tiny thing and drop weight quickly. It's, it's a joke because it's common, right? It's, we know that that's realistic where it's takes a lot more focus and effort and strategery for me to lose weight than it is where Chris is like, I'm just going to eat leaner for a week. And then all of a sudden he can drop weight a lot quicker where for me, it takes some very strategic fasting and some, you know, specific levers to pull before I can do that. And him, he can just. Part of that too, is just between the average male and the average female, the basal metabolic rate is pretty drastically different. So just doing nothing 
sedentary, I'm going to burn a thousand calories more a day than her. Right. So it kind of makes some of those deviations smoothed out for, for the man. So, and then Chris, when you eat the chicken breast and the, you know, the leaner days for you, I guess, do you notice a difference at all in your sleep and your hormones? No. I'm laughing because he's a machine where he goes, he lays down. We talk about this often, <laughs> but he's here now. So he lays down, he's asleep three minutes later. He sleeps exactly for six and a half hours. And then he wakes up and he's completely rested. And there's zero reason and, why that would ever change. And hormones, I still wake up at yeah. attention. <laughs> His hormones function great. He was just telling, okay, listen, this is TMI. He was just telling one of his friends uh, and he, I'm going to share this. Okay. But okay. he was having, they were having a conversation and his friend is getting older. Obviously like Chris is in his later forties and his friend was like, Oh my, I wonder if I should be taking testosterone. Like my hormones, my sex drive is really low. And Chris was like, Oh, you should go carnivore. <laughs> Trust me. I have no issues. And my hormones wake me up every morning at the exact same time every day. <laughs> like, you know, it's definitely like, his hormone function has since being carnivore has not changed whatsoever and like stays strong. His energy stays strong. His sleep is fine. This is where he was saying in the beginning too, he has less, he has more flexibility than I do. Sure. Right. Cause these things like his hormones are not affected as easily as mine. What about your stools? So whether you eat higher fat versus, and I'm not talking about, I guess, brisket level fat, but maybe just the New York strip days versus the New York plus chicken. Some people, when they eat leaner, they start getting constipated. Do you notice any difference in your stools? I've never had constipation in the four years I've been carnivore. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, the only time I ever have any variation with that is if I eat too much at one time, mm. which I do. Well, let me rephrase that. I eat a lot at a time. So a lot of times it's like clockwork after eating, uh, it's time to go. And, um, <laughs> sometimes like if we go out to a Brazilian barbecue and I don't know, I might eat three pounds on that, you know, then it's a few times after that. I'm trying not to get into too much detail. Well, but he's, but, he'll have loose stools for sure. Still, yeah. you know, like he uh, definitely is. And when he's eating leaner, it just might be more normal, but he's not dealing with constipation it's just a variation of like does he have loose stools or not depending on how much he eats in one sitting and how much fat he gets interesting yeah so <laughs> i mean so similar to a lot of my clients i think yeah i i noticed that with my clients that typically the males they can they'll want to eat a little bit more protein even beyond the levels or recommendations i provide and then they don't need as much fat and they still will do well so i think generally a lot of my males will fall into that 65% fat range. I do have some males that still feel better at like 75, but they're not as common as the 65. And so it makes sense. A lot of what you're saying, Chris, makes sense. Um, although you're, you seem super consistent, which is probably why you don't work with anyone, but you seem like you're like a machine that everything just works perfectly, which is good. It's a I don't know about perfectly, but I do have one anecdotal story that mm -hmm. when I first started, I loved ribeyes. You know, and that's a higher fat piece of right. meat. And I've always enjoyed the fat and ate all the fat. That was never an issue. But at some point, six months, a year into it, I started having New York strips from time to time because they were cheaper, but they're leaner and the meat is a little more dense. And when you eat it, something primal in me was like, this is like muscle. This is like flesh. <laughs> if that, this sounds really weird, but. It was something primal about it that was more satisfying in a way. And I started liking eating New York Strip more than I did ribeye. I don't know if that has something, something changes along the way or that's somehow your body saying you need this protein or this is, some, I don't know, something. Just anyway. I mean, I, I, I do notice with my clients that everybody starts with higher fat. So yeah. for the women... I'll start them at 75, 80. Obviously, 80 is pretty hard for most people. But then in the end, they'll end up tapering down to about 70, 75. And even for myself, I don't even eat as much fat as I used to. So I see that I can see that happening naturally, even for males. So if you went from ribeye to New York strip, and I think a lot of people's favorite meat cut is actually New York strip as well. I don't think everybody eats ribeyes. 
Yeah. And we also used to both sit down and eat like two ribeyes at a time. And now if Chris was going to have a ribeye, he would balance that out by eating some chicken or some, you know, even chicken thighs where something else on the side to balance it, where I don't think you, when's the last time you sat down and had two ribeyes at once? Like, I don't think you would do that anymore. Um, I rarely even eat ribeyes. They're too expensive. That's for bougie people like you. <laughs> or he'll have like a steak and burger patties, something else leaner to, to kind of balance it out. I also will say too, probably should have said this at the beginning for context, right? Chris is coming from this along with myself of we were looking for weight loss to reverse diabetes, to heal. We are not the fit. There's another branch of men that are doing carnivore. And that's most of the men that we see publicly in carnivore where they were already fit to begin with. They exercise a ton. They're getting really ripped and they need the fruit and the honey and the sugars for the quick burn energy because they don't have stored fat. Um, so I do want to touch on briefly, like Chris's perspective on fruit and honey and sugar, because when we see men in carnivore, space publicly, we see most of them eating fruit and we think like, well, I can't do that because I'm a woman. And I don't think that the fruit and the honey is a man woman thing. I think it's a weight thing. I think it's an energy burning thing. I think it's a, how much fat reserve do you have on your body thing? How much insulin resistance did you have previously? And it's not a, cause I know women who need the fruit because they have to gain weight and they need it for, cause they don't have enough stored body fat. So that's kind of, I can't eat fruit. We, you and I talk regularly about neither one of us eats fruit or honey, but I wanted to hear Chris's perspective as a man who didn't start off as, you know. Yeah, I, I can't eat fruit or honey, nor do I need fruit or honey. Um, that's not going to work for me. So I lost a lot of weight. I exercise a little. I do Brazilian jiu-jitsu and walk sometimes, but uh, there's no need for me to to tempt myself with that sort of thing. I just realized that you do Brazilian jiu-jitsu because I have a lot of clients or even people on social media that'll say, I do really, I do contact sports and I'm very active. And so I need the fruit and, or I need the honey. And then they're all on the relatively thin side. And so I thought, okay, maybe it is the Brazilian jiu-jitsu and I don't even, and my kids weren't doing it at that time, but I realized that you do that. So you do, you are pretty active but you never feel lower energy after doing BJJ. Well, it's, it's a pretty high intensity workout. So by the end of the class, when we're doing at the end of classes, when we're doing the most high intensity stuff, we're sparring or we're, you know, doing certain specific training. That's pretty high intense. Mm -hmm. I do run out of gas pretty quick. And I do realize that's probably because after, you know, 45 minutes of, high intensity exercise, my glycogen stores are depleted by that time. And I, sure. my body can't replace them from my body fat fast enough to keep up with that level of ex intensity. But to me, that's just a quick, uh, it's not worth me going home or eating carb loading ahead of time to have a little extra boost at the end of the class. I'm still learning what I need to learn. I'm getting the exercise I need to learn and I'm not tempting myself. Something that might push me off track because I'm, you know, eating a Snickers bar before class. He's not doing competitions and stuff, you know, there's, yeah. there's a guy in his class who eats like very primal. He only eats what he kills. He like lives in the mountains. He's like a very like ancestral. He's not, I don't even know if he would call himself carnivore, but he's like paleo. A, he said he he's paleo, but he only eats what he grows and kills. And, he was telling Chris that he will eat like a handful of Smarties or something before or that before the jujitsu class to give him like, a, you know, a couple of tablespoons of sugar to give him a little bit of energy boost throughout class. And I think like, again, this isn't competition for Chris. It's very intense and he's doing it several times a week, but it's also not that, you know, like he said, it's he's getting the point and he doesn't need to be eating sugar to get there. I think I spoke with Danny Vega, who then talked about, Dr. Ben Bickman and Ben um, told Danny that you should never really eat too many carbs before working out because it'll trigger insulin resistance. And I think the amount was 10 carbs, maybe it was 15 at most. So if you eat beyond that, you actually get into a state of insulin resistance. And so you can, then can't even tap into your fat stores. So then you'll even be worse off as soon as you burn off that 10 to 15 grams of mm. carbohydrates. So there's a like very tricky sweet spot. Danny was saying, if anything, you should have the carbs afterward to then replenish any of the lost uh, stores. 
So it's, it's tricky. So do you then Chris, um, afterward, do you end up eating a big meal or what do you do after if you feel a little bit less energy? Uh, first, when I, when I say less energy, it's energy to fight jujitsu. It's not energy <laughs> in general. It's a different kind of energy there, you know, like, um, it's harder to lift a 200 pound man off me, you know, yes. that kind of energy starts to wane. But once I'm done and I leave class, I feel completely normal. Um, of okay. course, I've got an appetite by that point because I haven't eaten in 24 hours. And the first thing I do is come home and make lunch and that's, eat, yeah, eat a big meal. He that's goes kind in the morning. The, yeah. So my workout is like hunting and then eating the kill when I get home. Oh, so you go, so you do jujitsu fasted for like such a long period. Wow. That's pretty crazy. Okay. 20, 22 hours probably fasted. But also, so Chris and I did a a 48 hour fast the other day together and he did the first one at like 22 hours fasted. He did the second one. He was like 46 hours fasted and he went and did two training sessions within this time. Uh, He was like, ready to eat after that for sure. <laughs> but normally every day he's eat, he's like training right at the tail end of his 24 hour fast. And then how were your electrolytes that day? The day that you worked out for 46 hours? I know like my boys sweat so much after jujitsu. Did you have to take a lot of extra exogenous supplements or I mean, some type of electrolyte drink or anything? I never t- took any, anything other than normal, like what I did. I never felt anything. I'm not a big sweater. And it's nice and cool air conditioner in there. And I never have felt the need to do anything extra. I've now, anytime I fast, I've never taken salt or anything like that, unless I've gone like beyond 48 hours, then I might chew on a little salt or put some in the water. But, uh, we both salt our food really heavily at mealtimes. And so on a daily basis, neither one of us are really using extra electrolytes. We did in the beginning for sure. And I think that's important. Um, as people are adapting, but we both put like a little pile of salt on our plate and dip our meat in like, he'll dip every bite of meat in salt. And so every bite is really getting like a decent amount of salt. And this is another way too, that when I talked about how forgiving things are, like we fasted together for days on end and by 36 hours, she's putting salt in her water. And I'm like, what's wrong with you? Like, <laughs> Or I'll get leg cramps. Five days I- later, I'm like, okay, like, okay, maybe, uh, maybe I'm getting a little headache. So in that way, it's a little bit, I feel like it's a little more forgiving. Yeah, for sure. I'm, I'm affected by everything much quicker and faster and easier. That's so interesting. So let's talk about fasting. I, rem- I remember when I was writing Carnivore Cure, I looked into a lot of the work from IDM or Jason Fung's fasting methodology. And he talked about how when it comes to weight loss for women, they have to fast for about 36 hours to start losing the weight. Um, that men feel at the mark of 18 hours. Yeah. So that's the, the equivalence. And so that's why for a lot of men, they can't fast long because they their body just starts going into that fasting mode much faster than for women. So I tell men that if they fast 18 hours, that's like them fasting for women for 36. But it sounds like between you two, Chris, you are able to, I guess, easily fast longer, but from the science is not normally common. I think I can fast today. It may have been different early on, but today I can fast easily in the short term longer mm-hmm. than she can. But if she wanted, if we were going to do a five day fast or something like three or four day fast, she has a much easier time than that than I do. Yeah. Okay. But going 24 hours, I can do easily. She has a harder time doing 24 hours. He really, if he had his choice, would never do 48s. He only does them if I kind of need the support kind of, he would much rather just eat one meal a day every day and stick to that. I think a lot of that though, is from like a mental perspective. And also he can get results from weight loss just by eating leaner, but still eating one meal every day. I don't feel good eating leaner. And so for me, the balance is to do a 48 hour fast more often. So I think who free fasts more often is probably still me. We both used to do it a lot in the beginning because he was really trying to burn off a lot of that stored sugar, you know, his fatty liver really just drive down his um, high blood sugar and get off his diabetes medication. But now I think if you had your way, you'd never really go past 24 hours. Right. And 24 hours though, is not difficult for you as you guys were saying. No, not at all. 
Not for me. Okay. It's a little more difficult for, for Laura because she can't eat as much. Now, in the very beginning, I would sit down and eat as much as Chris did, but now I can't eat nearly enough. Like we just had lunch today and I've been tracking just to like help share in locals and stuff that we've been doing, like what I'm eating. We ate for lunch and I had under a thousand calories for my lunch and I was completely stuffed and couldn't eat anymore. Like that's not nearly enough food for me for the entire day. Um, so while I was doing one meal a day in the very beginning and it was working better because I could eat more at once. Now I just can't eat enough in one sitting. And so having that less than a thousand calories, I will be really hungry this evening or I'll wake up really hungry. Or if I'm under eating regularly, I get leg cramps. My sleep gets really terrible. My weight loss slows down, which sounds counteractive, but it does. Like I stop losing weight when I've been under eating for too long. Chris will probably tell you I get crankier. Um, but I just can't, I can't eat. I max out at like, maybe if I really force myself, I could eat 11, 1200 calories in one meal, which is still really low. And I think the reason why our weight stalls is because our bodies think that it needs to be in maintenance mode or a conservation mode. So then yeah. it'll just hold on to whatever fat you have. And so the thought of just under eating, well, at first it'll work, but eventually you'll end up stalling and you'll store a lot of that weight. And a lot of my older clients, I see that struggles. Whenever we do tracking of their calories, the average, I don't know, 60 year old woman, 55 is eating maybe thousand calories on average. And, and, uh, but they're having a really hard time losing weight. And it's because I think for so long they've been under eating. So it makes sense. I agree. I think my mom falls in that same category. And that's the biggest difference I think with Chris and I is now maybe we started off the same because we were both kind of needed to lose the same amount of weight. We both were coming from eating so much similarly volume wise before and frequency, but now I have to eat more often than him. I can't eat as much in one sitting. I can't play around with eating leaner as much. Like it's just, it's so much, everything with me is so much more finicky and I have to be more diligent to almost force myself to eat or like be more conscious of what fat to protein ratio I'm getting because otherwise it's going to give me negative reactions where Chris's body is just like, Oh, maybe let's eat a little more. He just gets naturally is going to balance things out a little more than, than I will. Do you guys see from the community that all the people that needed to lose weight, whether it's male or female, do you think that when males get on this journey to lose weight on carnivore, that the men seem to lose weight faster than the women? It's it's in the community. It's a little hard to see the males because there's not too many of them out there talking about their, their stories, but their weight loss stories, right? right. Because the males that are public are not the ones that are trying to lose a hundred pounds. But just from, you know, comments in Facebook groups and things like that, like I see a lot of success in the men. And I would guess, I mean, it's kind of an old trope you hear all the time about how, oh, my my husband can skip one meal and he'll lose 10 pounds. And yeah. I look at a cheeseburger and I gain 10 pounds. You know, the wife will say that. Yeah. So I think I think that's holds true in this community as well. Most of the struggles you see are on the woman's side. Or I think that the women saying, I can't get my husband to stick to it or like he won't give up drinking beer or more. It's it's like if the husband or the man would actually do it and stick to it and be diligent, he would be more successful more quickly. I think the problem, too, with most women is that they're coming from restrictive eating backgrounds. They have more history of yo-yo dieting. Their body needs to heal more. I think women have a harder time mentally eating enough and eating enough fat. So I think that naturally, especially, you know, women um, have a hard time eating enough, whether from a mental perspective or also just from a physical perspective. A lot of women are not like me where they're not used to eating that much volume in one sitting. And so I think that the reason why women have a harder time losing weight on carnivore at first is just because it takes them longer to figure out their sweet spot. And they also likely have a lot more healing to do coming into this where, you know, Chris was just he was overweight and he had diabetic and his man eat steak. Yeah. <laughs> and he just, it was a, it was a simpler mental switch. And also he didn't have as much, all of his issues that he needed to heal from a health perspective were because of his weight and because of his insulin resistance sure. and mine were m- more nuanced. And I had a little, you know, women's bodies are a little more complicated. And then I think from a mental perspective, it can be harder for women to just, I think too many women, I say this often, but too many women are living on ground beef 
And that is, they're underfueling their bodies and it's causing them a lot of issues on carnivore. And while number one, Chris is naturally eats more than that to begin with. So he's not struggling with under eating. And then also he probably would be fine if he was living on ground beef for a while. I mean, that's also the, the counter to that. be a lot of ground beef. Yeah. I know that you always bring up that ground beef is not the same as ribeyes. And it was interesting this week, I was working with a client and she told me, I know you work with a lot of people that are under eaters, but trust me, I'm not one of them. And I said, okay. And, and I don't ever track anything. So, and I forget um, after a while, like what calories are in what, but I, I just, that's why I always say ribeye with a little bit of butter, or a little less butter, or I use the New York strip as an example, but this client told me that, so she eats, I guess, you know, a typical breakfast of maybe bacon and eggs or something like that, and then has her lunch. And she told me she has about half a pound to three quarters of a pound. And and then I thought she was going to tell me something else because when I saw the calories and she goes, oh, no, that's it. And so it was almost less than a thousand calories. Yeah. And then we did the same thing, but with a steak for the the next meal for the next day. And then the calories were fine. So then that, and then I just remember thinking, oh, that's what Laura's talking about because both of them were about 10 ounces. And so for the steak, when the breakfast was the same, the steak was enough to pull her to be like at 1600 calories. But then with the ground beef actually put her close to 900 and something. So it was pretty eye opening. And you're right. They're so different. Regardless of the fat content in ground beef. It's very low fat. Even if it says 80-20, it's not 20% fat once you cook it, unless you're drinking every drop of that rendered fat, which most people aren't. Yeah, so it's I, it's pretty much like eating chicken breast all the time. Right. And even adding butter back into it, you still think you're eating like a half a pound or a pound of ground beef and like how much butter are you really eating? Like a couple tablespoons. So you're really just not, you're just not getting that extra energy. Yeah. And that makes sense since I like eating higher fat that because I genuinely don't like eating ground beef and I couldn't figure out why. Me so like heavens wants to go eat in and out, even in and out. I don't like going to, and there was a period I wasn't eating any of that cheese, but now I get it. It's because it's a lot leaner for me. And I never realized that that was the reason. And we would buy the 73, 27 ones, but we, even us, I mean, there were bowls of soup that would come out of the fat and it's just way too much rendered fat to be actually consuming. Otherwise you're eating rendered fat soup with ground beef. Um, yeah, but then the, even- that rendered fat, a lot of people, myself included, would instantly make me nauseous. And I would yeah. instantly like have massive loose stools. Look at me being all professional. I would have massive loose stools afterwards um, from eating any type of rendered fat when I could eat like a full ribeye and all the fat that's included. And I, I don't have any issues. That's true. I think there's something about when you heat the fat, it removes like an enzyme or something with the rendered fat and it makes sense. And you're right. A lot of people get indigestion with eating ground beef and the rendered fat. So I I totally get it. Most of my clients cannot eat the rendered fat or eat very little of the rendered fat from the ground beef. But I just did not realize there was such a disparity with calories and even protein and fat when it's ounce to ounce from a steak versus ground beef. And I saw it this week and I finally understood what you were talking about. (laughs) So let's move on to the amounts we eat. Um, I know, Chris, I think you said you eat about two pounds a day. Somewhere between one and a half and two pounds. Yeah. Okay. And that's 2,500, 3,000 calories. Have you guys noticed between you two, and I think you've kind of alluded to this a little bit, but uh, I think, Chris, you do OMAD. um, do yes. you ever think you could do two mat or two meals a day? And then do you think there's a difference in the amounts you eat? I think about trying it. I would like to be able to do that maybe. But my problem is when I sit down to eat, I don't want to stop until I'm full. And if I don't stop until I'm full, I'm going to eat two pounds of meat. And if I eat two pounds of meat, I'm not going to be hungry again until the next day. You know, or unless I'm going to force myself to eat later, I could, but then I'm eating four pounds of meat, you know, so. He'll be flexible when we're on a trip and like, you know, we don't have access to like a large amount of food for lunch. Like he'll just eat what he can find available for lunch and then he'll eat again for dinner to equal it out. But the main problem is, is that he's not actually feeling full and satisfied from lunch. It's just 
there's nothing else to eat. So he didn't eat anything else. And so probably, you, I mean, you can share, but like subconsciously, he's like waiting until we get to dinner to like feel full again. Right. And that's maybe a mental thing on my part, okay. just from my old eating habits as a, my inner, inner fat guy. And I can fully relate. So when I first started carnivore, I did OMAD and I forced myself to eat almost two pounds of meat in one sitting. And granted, I wasn't eating meat for 12 years. So it was so hard for me. And I forced myself to because that was the mantra back then. Right. And, and I would get really sleepy and really sick after, but I just kind of muscled through it. And then I thought, well, this allows me to almost binge and not have to think it's an eating disorder. And so I kept doing that. And, and then I would have situations where I would have to eat lunch or a, another meal. And I noticed that I'd want more food, just like that same fear of now I need to have the four pounds of meat. And I wanted to break the just the one meal a day because I couldn't function socially. I, if I ate a little bit, I'm like, I'm not satiated. I need to go eat more food. But once I finally broke it, and that fear was very strong of, I, I just need to have one meal and I just need to stop like the leaking faucet of hunger um, until the next day. But I don't know how I eventually stopped, but I did. And it wasn't that easy. So there was a period where I would end up overeating at both meals. But eventually I got to a rhythm where I broke it down to two meals. And now I feel like if I go to a, a restaurant with my family, it's not as big of a deal because it's just one of my meals. Whereas before, if I was eating OMAD, I would be very hungry and I'd be cranky because there wasn't enough food. I guess it just took a few steps to kind of get there, but it felt more freeing than just eating OMAD. So it's just my two cents, but I get it. That fear is very real. And the lack of control you have when you have TUMAD instead of OMAD is very real too, but it almost seems freeing once you actually get there. And Laura, you've been through that process, right? Yeah. What are your thoughts from going to OMAD to TUMAD? Mine was a little different because I was... I did I realized I couldn't eat as much in one sitting anymore. And so while I was eating until I was full, I was getting hungry in the evenings before like the next day again. And then when I started calculating, I realized like, oh, you only eat 800 calories for lunch and you were trying to make this your OMAD. Like, no wonder you're so hungry. And so, you know, I, I was, I used to track in like pounds of meat. Well, then I couldn't eat two pounds anymore. So the next thing I know I'm eating one pound or three quarters of a pound and like, it's just way under eating. So for me, the I didn't have that feeling that you were having because I just was hungry enough. Now, mentally, it was hard for me to think like, if I start eating two meals, I'm going to gain weight. Like I had a lot of fear. I still probably do, to be honest. Like I sometimes have to remind myself, like you didn't eat enough for lunch. You need to eat dinner. And like, there's this temptation in me now to say, well, just skip dinner. You're not really that hungry mm -hmm. or you can push through till tomorrow. You can wait. Then you'll lose more weight. And if I do that too many days in a row, then I stop losing weight because I am under eating and my body starts slowing down and, and everything gets affected pretty quickly. So it's almost more of a thing where I have to like tell myself, like, it's okay. You need to eat a second meal. You haven't eaten enough. And then, yeah, I definitely am not overeating in two meals anymore. When, if you listen to any type of recording or read some of my posts from several years ago, that was a hundred percent my fear. I was eating one meal a day because if I had two meals, I would overeat during both of them. But you know, over time, my body just can't handle having that volume of food anymore, which is why I hate the, for several reasons, but I, even though Chris eats literally two pounds of meat, he has a scale, he gets it out. He weighs two pounds of meat. It doesn't matter if it's chicken or steak. Like he knows the volume of food he needs to fill his stomach up. And to be honest, like his cravings for fat regulate what he decides to eat the next day. So sometimes he wants chicken. Sometimes he wants two steaks and he adds butter or not, depending on what his body is craving, but it's still two pounds. He adjusts his calorie intake for weight loss just based on that. I can't do any of that. Like to me, I don't measure two pounds. I just eat as much as I can. That sounds good. And then I have to like make sure every once in a while I'll check in and make sure I'm eating enough calories. So I don't do any tracking with pounds. I have to just make sure I'm getting adequate calories because the pounds wouldn't be a good measurement for me. And then do you think in the evenings you are more conscious um, in making sure you're not eating maybe the same amount as lunch or do you, or do you just eat to satiety? What do you do for dinner? Like that second meal to make sure you're not overeating. 
usually I'm not really hungry. Like the same, when I go into lunch, I'm really hungry because it's been, you know, 18 hours since I ate previously. And, you know, I'm, I'm, we also tend, especially when I'm home, we tend to have a big family lunch every day. You know, our kids come home or Chris and I sit down together, like lunch every day is this big meal. And so I tend to just naturally eat more for lunch based on our family's schedule which then means for dinner, I'm not really starving, but I know I will be hungry late in the evening if I don't eat. And so I try to just eat something small where I might have some pork belly, a couple eggs. I might have bacon and eggs. I might have a bunch of chicken wings. I might have some steak. Like so I just naturally tend to eat something smaller in the evenings because I've eaten more for lunch. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. I think that's good. It sounds like both of you have found a rhythm you know, Laura, that I'm not the biggest fan of OMED, just in case yeah. if one, you have um, digestive issues, you get one chance to get all your nutrients in. And then secondly, for a lot of women, because they're under eating, the likelihood of them getting sufficient calories in one sitting is pretty difficult. So yeah. I think Chris does it well to make sure he's eating enough. But I think there's a lot of women that are like, no, but people say eat to satiety or trust your body's hunger cues. And but when you've been eating under eating for so long, there's a high chance that you can be under eating. And then once it shows up or manifests in their hormones and thyroid, then they blame the diet instead of the fact that they may have been under eating. Yeah. And to fix that, the fix isn't to eat two pounds of meat, (laughs) you know, because two pounds of meat might still be under eating where you could eat a pound of really good quality fatty meat that's helpful for you. And it's like that one pound could be enough calories to sustain you while two pounds of ground beef is, or two, you know, two pounds that includes ground beef and whole eggs might not be enough. So I don't think women especially should be tracking in pounds. Um, yeah, yeah, I was just saying you also might have to eat more for a while and you might gain a few pounds for a while while you make that make, get your body to correct its, it's burn rate before it can start dropping again. Yeah. But it doesn't have to be that drastic. Right. You don't have to eat a thousand calories more per day than you were previously. It, you can take it slowly. It's come up to a normal level. Right. Yeah. I think it's, I think that is one of the most difficult asks to ask women, right? You, You think, I mean, your logic is I'm going on such a strict diet, eating so clean. I better have a six pack. And then when you're telling me that I may have to actually gain weight eating clean, it just does not seem like it's a great bargain, right? And the problem is somebody else is selling them something that's going to make them skinny quickly. Yeah, of course. Of course. Yes. Um, But I think for true healing, uh, we have to put in that level of energy and work. And sometimes we have to gain a little bit of weight to heal the metabolism. And then you can lose weight and have a balanced weight for the long term, And that's what's. And I will say too, coming, it depends on where you're coming from, right? People message often and ask like, how quickly did you see results? And I'm sorry, I hate answering this because my answer is not a nice answer. My answer is I lost weight right away. Like, because we, because of where we were coming from, we both had over a hundred pounds to lose. We were coming from eating a hundred percent processed food diet. Obviously, then we switched to keto, but then the minute we stalled, we cut out all the keto food and went carnivore, and then we instantly started losing weight again. We weren't coming from a history of under eating, eating just eating restriction, malnutrition, low. We were coming from massively overeating. And so it's not fair for me to answer that by saying, like, oh, I lost 30 pounds my first month. Like, that's not helpful to somebody who's been doing this for three months and has gained 10 pounds. Because now if somebody has a hundred pounds to lose and was coming from massively overeating and they gained 30 pounds and they're, you know, or gained 10 pounds in their first three months, like I would really evaluate what they're doing because they probably should have lost weight. But if somebody was coming from under eating low, low protein, you know, if you're older, if you have hormone issues, like, you know, there's a lot of reasons why you might not start losing weight right away. Yeah, no, I think those are all good. I, I, I really think the reason why people ask so many questions online is because they want a straight answer. If I do this, then this will happen. Or by this time, this will happen. And people, you know, we want every, everyone wants fortune telling in their life. That's just, I think the way that human, the human mind works is we want acknowledgement and reassurance that what we're doing is correct. And if we do it this way, that this will happen. And so I think we 
when things start not working or we start feeling doubt about a diet or um, some type of protocol, we then look towards people that seem to have experience with, let me just get the reassurance from them. And sometimes it's not really that they're looking for your exact protocol, but just some assurance that what they're doing is correct and that they can keep going. That's a good point. Yeah, for sure. Well, this was really um, helpful even for me to understand sort of the male's point of view. Chris, do you think there's anything else that you would want to share with the the males that are listening? Some tips that you think are beneficial to get people started? Um, the only thing I would say is, and this kind of goes for everybody, is make sure you're eating enough. Um, and that could be a difficult question to answer. But, uh, you know, they say the typical 2000 calories for a woman, 2,500 calories for a male. Um, you should be eating in that range, you know, and vary your strategy day to day, week to week for the weight loss. If that's your goal, you know, mix it up. Don't consistently under eat, under eat for a couple of days. Okay. Then overeat for a couple of days, then eat at maintenance for a couple of days and your body's never going to do anything. But when you eat under for a while, and you're not eating enough, your body's going to turn down, turn down the energy. It's going to turn down everything and you're going to stall and you're going to stop. So that's a big struggle that I see a lot of people having. They have, maybe they have some success for the first month or two and then bam, they hit a wall. And they a lot of their success was because they were only eating 1200 calories a day. And now their body said, okay, I'm only going to burn 1200 calories a day. You're not going to starve me. And then, uh, they run into that problem. So that's one of the biggest problems I see these days. As far as men and women, you know, guys just be patient with them. They don't know what they do. And, uh, <laughs> just support them and keep doing what you're doing and, you know, be supportive for them too. Because, you know, if you guys are on the same team, then everything can work smoothly. You know what? We get mostly, I'm sure Judy and I get messages saying like, how do I convince my husband to go carnivore? Uh, or my, you know, he needs to go carnivore. So what's your advice for women who want to convince their husbands to go carnivore besides their rock solid hormones? <laughs> well, that's a big one. And, uh, if the women would, uh, entice them with using those hormones, then that might work as well. <laughs> um, uh, what else? What other than that? <laughs> Uh, they get to eat steak. I mean, like, listen, as far as like steak, how many meals a day you eat, I think those things all come later. It's just about getting on this in the first place. The reason why Chris likes to eat one big meal for lunch, partly too, is just based on our schedule. Like it's really just what works for him. I think if he didn't have time to eat all day long and he was trying to eat dinner only, you probably wouldn't eat that much that late at night every day. You'd come up with a better system. So, you know, we, how, when we eat, how we eat, Chris is, is entirely based on like what's convenient and easiest for our schedule. And obviously I've had to make some adjustments because I have more specific uh, finicky needs from a physical perspective that I have to uh, attend to. So I have to, you know, work out how to eat a second meal, but um, you know, I think you have to just do it for a while in the beginning, obviously more than anything, like having two people in your household, having a, you know, your, your partner that's doing this with you, makes it infinitely easier. I always say, I don't know how I would have stuck to this for as long as I did if he was still eating complete junk all the time. And my heart always goes out to those people who are doing this with a partner. It's one thing if like your kids are still eating bad, but like when your partner is also eating bad, like I'm not that strong of a person. And the people who can do that are the strongest people that I know. And so just trying to get them to do it with you temporarily to help you stay on track in the beginning. Um, you know, is kind of my, would would be what I would suggest if they would do that as just a way to support you. And then hopefully they'll be convinced by the positive results. Uh, Kevin, I think he did keto and carnivore and then went paleo and then ended up becoming more calorie counter, but it was a progression. So from the beginning, it was very, a lot of the junk foods were out of the house and then he did keto for a while. Then he even did carnivore to support me. But because I choose most of the, I do most of the grocery shopping in the home. I mean, he, just by default of that, I mean, there's like literally never vegetables Yuck. and he'll say, I miss greens. And I'm like, yeah, you have to go buy it. I'm not going to be the one buying it. So it, it just worked out that way. And when I was plant-based, I mean, our house was filled with veggies. So I think that's another way is if you 
are the keys to the, you know, the grocery store, then you can buy accordingly. And I mean, if men are just, will just eat whatever is available, then if you have more meat in the house, they will by default to eat more meat. And I mean, Kevin told me that if I made more of those, those pork chips you made and stuff, maybe he would consider being more. <laughs> I'm like, sorry, I can't do that kind of stuff. But that's part of it too. And not, not you for this specific food, but like a lot of women tell me that, oh, like my husband eats carnivore just because I'm the one who does all the cooking and that's what he ends up eating. And so I didn't know how to cook a steak. I mean, like Chris is going to act like he taught me everything I know, but <laughs> he probably did when it comes to cooking meat. But like I had a learning curve when it came to cooking meat. And now I, you know, I can, he does all the cooking just because I work. But, you know, if you're a woman who's not comfortable cooking a lot of meat, like take steps to learn how to cook a better steak. And I think like, if your husband's enjoying what he's eating, he's going to be more convinced to do this. Uh, and he's not going to be missing a lot of those carbs anyway. Yeah, agreed. But I think that like, you can't expect what's working. I can't expect what's working for Chris to work for me. And I think I tried to stick to OMAD for too long because I was like, this is what's working for us. Thinking that like we were in this together. And while we've lost a similar amount of weight, we've been doing this for the same amount of time over, you know, after a year or so, I couldn't keep up with him as far as like volume eating frequency. He doesn't like to fast as much as I do. I can't fast as much as I used to do either for, for hormone reasons. He doesn't ever have to fast. I mean, like it, you have to figure out individually as, as a man and a woman, like what's working for you. Um, and, and while we're both still carnivore, we're both supportive of each other. What we do day to day looks very different. The types of meat that we eat, and which is why we grill so much, because then we're not cooking a bunch of different meals for everybody. You're just putting different meats on the grill. So we're eating different fat contents of meat on the same grill at the same meal. You don't feel like you're cooking a bunch of different things. But I mean, we, we really do eat very differently now, but we're both still carnivore and we're both still like figuring out what works for us. And I think that's what matters the most. Well, yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for coming on, Chris. It was fun. Yeah, thanks. You're welcome. My pleasure. <laughs> thanks, guys. Thanks for tuning in to the Cutting Against the Grain podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please make sure to share and leave us a review and leave any comments and questions on Apple Podcasts. We will read and answer your questions and comments on an upcoming podcast episode. This also helps us to share our real talk with more community members. You can also find me on my other podcast, Nutrition with Judy, on all podcast channels. You can also follow my content on Nutrition with Judy's Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. You can find Carnivore Cure in paperback, ebook, and audio on Amazon. I also have a blog post and weekly newsletter with nutrition and wellness updates. You can sign up at nutritionwithjudy.com. You can find Laura on Instagram at Laura East Bath. You can follow along on her daily stories and see some of her funny skits. You can also find Laura on her YouTube channel where she shares tips on living a meat-based lifestyle. If you're wondering how much meat to eat in a day, week, or month, Laura has you covered. She also shares how to make a perfect sear on a steak and how extended fasting looks like in real life. You can find her YouTube channel by searching Laura's Bath. Thanks again for listening to the Cutting Against the Grain podcast. And remember, make sure to cut against the grain.